Well, I can honestly say that this morning is a first. There will be a lot of firsts. I don't think I've ever canceled church in the seven and a half years that I've been here, not even for snow, sleet, or weather. And so this is uncharted territory as far as that goes next week. But there was also a first today in that I have never set aside a sermon and wrote a whole different one the night before church. And that happened this week as well. And I thought that since we are at the beginning of an apocalypse, what better book for us to turn to than Revelation? So let's turn there, Revelation chapter 1. Very last book of the New Testament, very last book of the Bible. I'll give you a moment to find it. Don't get any ideas. This is not the beginning of a new sermon series. I am not equipped to preach the rest of this book. <laughs> not yet. Once you've found Re Revelation chapter 1, we're going to look at John's first vision beginning in verse 9. Let's stand together as we read. <coughs> I, John your brother and partner in, in the tribulation and the kingdom and the patient endurance that are in Jesus, was on the island called Patmos on account of the word of God and the testimony of Jesus. I was in the spirit on the Lord's day, and I heard behind me a loud voice like a trumpet saying, write what you see in a book and send it to the seven churches, to Ephesus, to Smyrna, and to Pergamum, and to Thyatira, and to Sardis, and to Philadelphia, and to Laodicea. Then I turned to see the voice that was speaking to me. And on turning, I saw seven golden lampstands, and in the midst of the lampstands, one like a son of man, clothed with a long robe and with a golden sash around his chest. The hairs of his head were white like white wool, like snow. His eyes were like a flame of fire. His feet were like burnished bronze refined in a furnace, and his voice was like the roar of many waters. In his right hand he held seven stars. From his mouth came a sharp two-edged sword, and his face was like the sun shining in full strength. When I saw him, I fell at his feet as though dead. But he laid his right hand on me, saying, Fear not. I am the first and the last, and the living one. I died, and behold, I am alive forevermore, and I have the keys of death and Hades. Write, therefore, the things that you have seen, those that are and those that are to take place after this. As for the mystery of the seven stars that you saw in my right hand and the seven gold lampstands, the seven stars are the angels of the seven churches, and the seven lampstands are the seven churches. You may be seated. If you've ever read the book of Revelation or heard sermons preached from the book of Revelation or been a part of a Bible study on the book of Revelation, then you know that what follows after chapter 1 are visions of judgment, bowls of wrath, a murderous dragon, an antichrist, death, pestilence, famine, plagues, and war, and the literal end of heaven and earth as we know it. So perhaps it might come to you as a surprise that the first 
two words to come out of the mouth of Jesus Christ in chapter 1. Words that Jesus insisted John write down and send out to all seven churches before he enters into this apocalyptic vision are these. Fear not. With the last few minutes that we have together, gathered around God's word for the next couple of weeks, these are the two words that I want to be resounding in your mind over and over again. In our minds, our hearts, and in the actions that we choose to take or not to take in the upcoming weeks. These are our only two points. Fear and not. Moments like this, many of us turn to cable news anchors we turn on our favorite political commentator. We turn to online memes. We turn to our favorite online uh, news media platforms. We turn to Facebook friends or Twitter personalities. And we are hoping that someone will tell us and confirm what we hope to believe in our heart, that this coronavirus is no big deal. Or tell us that this is a problem, but it's just a problem over in Italy or in Spain or in China, but not here. Or we hope that someone will help us laugh about this pandemic so that it will feel just a little bit less real. Or we mock our political opponents and the quote-unquote fake news, hoping that by pointing out their clear biases, it will make the issue of coronavirus disappear. And you know what? Those things might work this time. The pandemic may never come to Newberry. And years from now, we may all laugh at ourselves for how seriously we took this thing. Remember that time we canceled church for two weeks all over a little cold? And all those ways you coped with your fear worked. The politicos proved to be right. The memes were hilarious. And no one you knew was seriously affected by the disease. And everything returned to normal. And we all felt a little silly for being so serious about something like the possibility of death. But there will come a time when nothing, not the talk show host you like to listen to, not the comfort of your favorite Facebook group, no blog posts, not even the comfort of your own family and friends will be able to quell the fear that is rising inside of you. It may happen when you get news that your kid, the one you raised in church all his life, is leaving his wife of 15 years. It may happen when you get a call into the office that Monday morning where you've worked and gone and been faithful for 28 years and you sit down across from your boss and he tells you that you've been terminated. It may happen when you get that second, third, fourth opinion and you cannot shake the diagnosis. It's cancer and you've got five months to live. Or worse, your spouse is gone 
for your own child. I'm talking fear. Real fear. Fear is the sudden, abiding, unshakable realization of your finitude. Of the extinguishability of your existence. That you can be here fully alive and in one breath on the floor, gone. John, our brother, comes face to face with fear, with his own frailty as a creature. Not by coming face to face with something like a tragedy or cancer or even something like the coronavirus, but in coming face to face with his creator. On a Sunday morning, much like this one, John was worshiping on the Lord's day, much like we are. And suddenly a voice exploded behind him like a trumpet. And that voice began to immediately issue decrees to John and saying, you better write this down, everything I say, and you need to send it to all of my seven churches. And in verse 12, John says he turned and he turned to see who it was that was speaking to him in this way. And there standing in a bright robe, bright as lightning, glittering with all the ineffable holiness and spotless righteousness and almighty power is Jesus Christ, the Son of Man. And his ears are immediately overwhelmed with a roar louder than a thousand Niagara's. John realizes that the words spoken to him are coming with such precision and power and efficacy that they flash forth from the mouth of Christ upon the double edges of a razor-sharp sword. And the power of this Son of Man is so radiating from him that it's coming out of the ends of his hair. Every strand shining from head to toe and even his face is shining with the white-hot perfection of a thousand suns. The life in the flesh. John says, I beheld him. I, finite, dead in less than a heartbeat, gone and forgotten in a breath, I, creature, came face to face with my eternal, unconquerable, now and forever, creator. I beheld him. Verse 17. When I saw him, I fell at his feet as though dead. There it is. Fear. I fell at his feet as though dead. No fear compares to what John experienced in that moment. Not the fear of coronavirus, not the fear of losing a child or a spouse or a cancer diagnosis, 
not the fear of economic uncertainty. Not even all of those fears combined can, can even begin to scratch the surface of the fear that John experienced in that moment. Nothing compares to the fear of beholding the radiant, risen Christ in all of his eternal glory. Because when you do, and you will one day, you will be aware of your own mortality in a way that is inconceivable to us in our puny little human minds. This isn't a fear that we should try to run from. This isn't a fear that we try to ignore. This isn't a fear that we simply laugh off. This is real fear. And in moments like this, when it seems like possibly a pandemic is going to be on our doorstep in another couple of days, when we get a taste of that fear, even for just a moment, we shouldn't try to squelch it. We ought to savor it. Because this fear is telling us the truth. If something is not done for us on the day we behold the Son of Man, we will all fall, not merely as though dead, we will fall dead. But John tells us as his body was falling to the ground, drained of all life, he says a hand reached out to catch him. Verse 17. When I saw him, I fell at his feet as though dead, but he laid his right hand on me, saying, Fear not. The very Son of Man, the one whom John had turned and beheld and immediately been blinded by the glory of his presence and whose, who, who had burst his eardrums with the sound of the roar of his words, whose very voice shook the foundations of the universe with terrifying power. Who's, this is the one who stretches forth his right hand, the hand of power, and he, the Son of Man, catches John in his fear. I wonder this morning whether you have been caught by that right hand. Have you felt yourself free-falling into the holy fear of the living John? Knowing yourself to be a sinner, knowing that you could never pretend to lay even one eye on he who walks among the lampstands, let alone stand in his presence. Have you ever truly faced the truth and allowed that fear to rise inside of you that one day you will behold this vision in reality? And in that moment of fear, have you heard Jesus speak to your heart? Fear not. The one whom John beheld upheld John's life. He stretched out his right hand, John says, and 
as we gaze at that right hand, we can't help but see a scar there. And it's this scar that confirms Christ's command. Fear not. I am the first and the last, verse 18, and the living one, I died. And behold, I am alive forevermore, and I have the keys of death and Hades. The hand stretched out has a scar, and it tells us the truth. I died, and I am alive forevermore. This holy Son of God has suffered the worst that death and Hades could possibly do. Through that right hand of power, a nail was driven. Stripped of the beauty of his outer robes, his face marred with dirt, blood, and spit, the world watched as death trying to drain all the lifeblood out of the living one. And he entered into the grave only to rob death and Hades of their keys and to return to the land of the living forever and ever and ever. This is the Jesus who comes to us in this moment today and says, Fear not. The Jesus who experienced the depths of my mortality for me. The Jesus who died the death I deserved. The Jesus who took on my frailty became human willingly for the purpose so that he would be killable. So that he could be killed. In my place, the Jesus who entered into my greatest fear, dying the hardest human death conceivable. If this is the Jesus who says this morning to us, fear not, of whom shall I fear? Of what shall I be afraid? The dead and risen giver of life, the one who holds the keys to death and Hades itself has bid me fear not. How dare I disobey his command? How can I be afraid when the right hand that upholds this universe is the one that upholds my very existence? <coughs> the right hand that was crucified, the right hand that holds the keys to death and has unlocked the door of the grave, this is the hand that cradles my life. Fear not. We need to repeat this to one another. Jesus told John in verse 19, write this down because my churches are going to need this. Jesus knew that in 2020, coronavirus was going to cross the earth and a small group of Christians huddled in Newberry would need to read Revelation 1 and see this vision and hear this command and let it sink deep into their hearts. Fear not. And we are not afraid. We're not going to quit gathering because we're afraid. We are going to do so because we are seeking to love our community and perfect love casts out fear. We're not afraid that if we do not gather for the next two weeks, somehow College Street Baptist Church is going to cease to exist. We are not afraid that God will be somehow less pleased with us because we're taking wise and seeming necessary precautions to spread the, 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 the spread of the virus. And so we won't be here on Sunday. Oh, God's going to be upset with me. No, we're not afraid of that. 
And we will not be afraid of the virus if it does happen to come to the Newberry community. We will not fear, though the earth may shake. We will fear not. We need to preach this sermon to our souls every day. Whether you're a person tempted toward the fear of anxiety or toward the fear of man, you need to preach this to yourself. If you're feeling even it rising inside of you that you're going to seem silly telling your friends that our church canceled the next two weeks of services and your friends are going to think you're less righteous and your church is less devoted and less committed, let me tell you, speak to your soul now. Fear not. It does not matter what that person thinks of you. If you feel like the world is about to cave in on you and this virus is going to search you out and kill you, speak to your soul this morning. Do not be afraid. You know, sometimes we have to preach these sermons to our soul. Soul, the living one has spoken. He has said to me, I died. Behold, I am alive forevermore. And I have the keys of death and Hades. If he's got the keys, I've got nothing to be afraid of. Brothers and sisters, let us fear not. Who shall separate us? from the love of this Christ we have beheld this morning in Revelation chapter 1. Shall tribulation or distress, persecution or famine or nakedness or danger, a sword or the coronavirus or a toilet paper shortage? No, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us, for I am sure that neither death nor life nor angels nor rulers nor things present nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all of creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus, our Lord. And so, until we meet again, fear not. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, I ask that you would strengthen our hearts. We thank you for John's vision, and we thank you that he's written it down to encourage us this morning. We pray, help us not to act in fear, but in love. We pray that you would keep us as we are apart. We thank you so much for technologies that allow us to remain in touch. We pray that we would take advantage of those things to call and encourage and preach this good news back and forth to one another as we watch you unfold what you have already planned. Be merciful, we pray to our community, to Newberry, to our nation, and to this world. In Jesus' name, amen.